sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, October 16th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. People call me the spitting statistician, stable genius, vocal minority. And as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to hopefully make it a profitable day. But if you're waking up this early, you want fun and functional sports content at the same time. And Kev, what I have noticed, okay, over the last few weeks, because we are on 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern time, is during our show, we very frequently start to get the buzz, the reports of the COVID testing that is going on day by day. And we're hearing it, we're reacting to it, but as we always state, it is a moving story, right? So we've got to update some folks on what happened in Atlanta. That game is back on the board. But as we come on to air this morning, it happens again, Kev. And it's Friday, right? So we don't know how much wiggle room we have. We don't know how this story will move. However, right now, it is being reported across social media that the Indianapolis Colts are closing their facility on a Friday and working remotely after multiple multiple presumptive positive COVID tests within the organization. Now, the Indianapolis Colts, Kev, are scheduled to host the Cincinnati Bengals. They are currently eight-point favorites. Now, we have seen this before, and we have seen this go both ways before, Kev. Remember, on Friday last week, the Jets had a presumptive positive. It turned out to be false, and everything was fine. We've also had situations where we get one or two, and that becomes seven, and that becomes 11. So we are working with breaking news and limited information What's your reaction to this, Kev, not only about the Indianapolis Colts, but about the pattern we are starting to see in the NFL? Yeah, it's really interesting. So the Colts have since released a statement that reads, This morning we were informed that several individuals within our organization have tested positive for COVID-19. The team is currently in the process of confirming those tests. In the meantime, the practice facility will be closed and the team will work remotely while following NFL protocols. We're in communication with the NFL and we'll have more information when available. So you can take from that that right now it is up in the air how severe this is, how many positive tests might there be. I think what we're seeing with the NFL right now, there is a clear line between Facility shut down, let's all take a second, and outbreak every single thing paused. And after seeing what happened yesterday with the Atlanta Falcons, where that is how we, I mean, you know, you think about the bookends of our Thursday and Friday show here. We closed out Thursday with, okay, Falcons-Vikings is gone. I think before I had finished my cereal, that 
you know, turned out to really not be the case. We now open this morning with this Colts update here. It is, of course, you know, I think the big thing almost when because there's such little information, it's impossible right. not to just start thinking, all right, well, if this is shut down, what's the next step? How do they start to, you know, rework everything else around it? Yeah, absolutely. That is what we're talking about here. As we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, big shout out to all the affiliates who are getting on the grid bright and early with Dane and Kevin. I think you're right. You know, like we have now seen the data point of a positive test can still have a lot of different paths, right? It can have a path to outbreak. It can have the path to false positive. It can have the path to contain to be one person or two people who are separated from the team or go on the COVID list and the game still goes. The other linchpin of this, Kev, is, you know, when this happens on a Tuesday, it's a lot different than when it happens on a Friday when the Cincinnati right. Bengals are supposed to be traveling to Indianapolis, right? Planes get grounded. If I'm someone on Cincinnati and I wake up to this news right I'm like whoa what are we gonna do here you know what I mean mm -hmm. so all of these ripple effects and I continue to mention Kev as teams start to have their regular buys right the idea of if they need to move the puzzle pieces, it starts to get harder and harder. But I do want to recap because you mentioned it after you before you ate your cereal. I got to find out what kind of cereal it was, hmm. Kev, because we got to compare notes on that. But you mentioned that we had a moving story with the Atlanta Falcons test the way that we reported it yesterday as well. We heard from Schefter that it was something like four positive cases. And as it moved, that turned not to necessarily be it, right? Yeah, so, and it's just, this doesn't really happen, right? Like, Adam Schefter ever is the most well-known NFL reporter in the world. Sure. But seemingly got bad information. You know, we left the show reporting that there were four positive tests uh, on the heels of what Adam Schefter had reported. To come to find out that uh, it was far from the case, there was one person in the organization, uh, a part of the the staff, not a player, who had tested right. positive. Not to minimize the importance of that, but what we've learned about the NFL, if there were four positive tests involving players, we might not be playing Vikings-Falcons or certainly not be playing it on Sunday. The actual right. update put that game right back on the board, and as we currently understand the situation... We are playing that game this Sunday. Yep, as of now, and so we will talk about it later in the show. Right now, the Vikings are four-and-a-half-point favorites at home. We'll look at that. We'll look at all the rest of the games in Week 6 and the baseball playoffs on a jam-packed Friday here on the early line. We are off and running. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Your heart's racing. The clock's running out. It all comes down to this. We're talking pregame. 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 Get locked in with game time decisions. Your hosts, Gabe Marinci and Cam Stewart, will get you ready for game time. Everything you need to know before a game goes off the board with the best lips to back it up. 
Make your best bet with live odds updates, late-breaking news, up-to-the-minute injury reports, and real-time analytics from inside the sportsbooks. All the odds, all the action, from sports wagering insiders and industry pros like Donnie Wrightside, Gam Lou, Cousin Sal, the pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, and more. Get the winning edge every weekday afternoon from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, 3 to 4 Pacific. It's Game Time Decisions. Only on Sports Grid. All right, welcome back in here, everybody, right on to the early line. So if we hear more information about the Colts testing or any other team that releases the results, right, and what that means for week six, we will certainly keep you posted on that. But, Kev, let's turn our attention to baseball, where, listen, yesterday or two days ago, the Dodgers went absolutely bonkers with an offensive explosion, and people were saying, "Uh uh-oh, you know, is this the beginning? Is this the impetus for them to be back? Remember we talked about swag? with the Dodgers yesterday and we were saying hey how this could snowball well the Braves are saying not so fast you know it was 1-1 going into the sixth and then the Braves exploded for six runs they piled on they got the job done 10-2 Clayton Kershaw giving up runs couldn't get out of the sixth inning Uh, the kid Wilson outperformed him and then listen the power comes from Marcel Ozuna with not one but two home runs in this one. The Braves get a game. They win ten to two. They are still down in the. Uh, they are still now up in the series. Now three one on the precipice as we head into Game Five today. What'd you take away from this one, Kev? I made a big mistake in this game, and I'm pretty upset at myself oh, for it because I've done a nice job not making these mistakes. But for anybody that listened to this show yesterday morning, you know that I was talking about how. The value was on Atlanta. Just the, the number for two teams right. that we, you know, all after two games, like, oh, they're 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 bang even. To see them at that plus one ninety number, I, I thought Atlanta had the value. Ultimately, didn't play the game pregame, but was excited for it. At one one in the top of the fifth, though, I started to get interested in the Dodgers, and I ultimately got mm. them at a minus one twenty price. Now, the process was there. The logic was there. For me, Clayton Kershaw was throwing well, and I expected that to continue. Bryce Wilson was also throwing well, and in fact, was still up to that point throwing better. But similar to when Urquidy saw the Rays for the third time, the game blew up, I thought to myself, all right, this is a guy, Dane, who had not pitched more than four innings but only once during the regular season, just not usually going this deep into baseball games. The pitch count was so low, they were probably going to have him still stay in, and he was going to see hitters 9-1-2. So I was going to get the top of the order, and he was going to see them for the third time. And what ended up happening was the pitcher to attack, who attempted to see guys for a third time, was not Bryce Wilson, but... Future first ballot Hall but of Clayton Fame. Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> Again, it's not to say that I didn't get the best of a Dodgers number while the game was right. still within reach. But I shouldn't have liked Atlanta to the degree that I did this morning and then end up backing a Dodgers side, even if the process was there. And that was just a, a lapse, I think, there where the value was right, but I didn't have enough conviction on 
either side. It, it was just a lesson learned in this game. All right, fair enough. Now we move, however, to game five, Kev, right? And game five is interesting to me. They don't have a line just out yet. Dustin May is going to go for the Dodgers. We've got good old TBD for the Braves. And this is what I believe is the critical question here, Kev. All playoffs long, right? The Braves are now, what, eight and one in the playoffs overall? And you have been looking at what happens when it is not a freed start not an Ian Anderson start, right? And to be quite honest, it looks like that's the question the Braves are dealing with right now, right? They are up three to one going into game five. Remember what we said. This is part of the impact, Kev, of, you know, no off days here, okay? In a normal series with an off day in here somewhere, you know, uh, four days rest, that would get the person who started on Monday to be able to go on Saturday. On Friday, it is short rest. So the question is, up 3-1 in the series, do you come back with your stud freed now to try to close it out, to not allow the Dodgers to get to a game six and start to get that swagger, that momentum? Who knows what will happen if they run out one of their non-elite pitchers, right? Or do you go to the well with Freed and then potentially Anderson in five and six to try to not give the Dodgers any more life and take care of it? To me, that's what has to be the Braves' decision right now. Where would you go if you were in that brain trust? So assuming both pitchers feel ready to go, right? I go Freed game five. Anderson, Anderson game for seven, seven. If need be. Because... Kyle Wright can't get the ball in this series again. Okay? No so matter who you start game six. We'll figure it out. Well, Dane, who's, who are we going to start oh. game five? You know what I'm okay, saying? Like, okay, okay. There, 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 there has to be other options on the – ultimately, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, if I were to start them five and six and we had to play game seven, I'd go, oh, Kyle Wright. Like, we've lost the series. So that's why whomever would be the option, if it's an opener, whatever that route would be, if Reed right, is right, good right. to go today and feels – you know, the arm feels fine – I'll throw him today, but I'm saving Ian Anderson for Game 7. Okay, fair enough. So kind of let me take my shot to close it out, but try to keep something in the back pocket just in case. Would any of that, though, Kev, matter be determined by how much of the bullpen is used in Game uh, game 5? Right, You're deciding to hold Ian Anderson for 7, right? Um, And you're saying, who knows, for Game 6, right? I'll piece it together. Right. What What, if, though, your bullpen is already taxed? Let's say you you, you lose game five, uh, you know, three pitches. Well, you lose game five two one in 12 innings. I I think there's a world where they actually might go to to Wilson actually in game seven for, say, three innings, because that's what he was doing during the regular season anyway. He's not someone that okay. they they had said that they were like, oh, we'd be over the moon if we could get over three innings from him. And then they got six innings of one-hit baseball. Outrageous. But, like, that is – there's a couple of options for this team. Ultimately, though, their plan is to never have to worry about who would have started six and seven. And the way they're Fair playing, enough. they may never have to worry about that. Right, and that may be the reason part also, right, to go ahead with their now ace, Max Fried, and just try and get this job done and then rest everybody up. Let's touch also on the American League where, listen, Houston is not going to go quietly into the night. They get the job done 4-3. to three. I believe they got a big home run right out the gate from George Springer. Correa at the end of the game kind of bookending it as the walk-off, right? So talk to me about this series because the Astros will not go quietly into 
into the night. We have a game six on the horizon mm. in this one. You know, like, where's the momentum here? Because I still saw the Rays, uh, you know, all hyped up, right? I still saw with Brandon Lau, like, hitting his home run and getting his first hit of the postseason, right? So where does this series stand? I think this one's fascinating. Well, what's really interesting is yesterday, if I remember correctly, we talked about the Astros at plus 960 to win the series. Their odds to win the World Series are now shorter at plus 850. It shows how much this market moves in just a game. The Astros actually are plus 850 to the Dodgers plus 550. That's questionable, Mm. but neither here nor there right now. Uh, This is the thing as I watched that game yesterday. And this is, it's far from an I told you so to anybody out there watching. I just think it's a matter of fact that we all should come to terms with. The ability to come back for the Astros is more in the cards because none of these games are going to be played in Tampa Bay. Nor are they played in Houston. But it is an even playing field. That is why... They move juice based on who is home. That's why they add three points Mm -hmm. for when you play a home game in basketball or football. Because home field matters. You take that out of the equation, that's where you can get some variance. That's where you get a 3-1 comeback by Denver, followed by a 3-1 comeback by Denver. Ultimately, I think the Rays slammed the door today. That's my expectation. They're minus 138 favorites to do so. I actually think Snell versus Valdez, I'm not mad at that price. I'm not. But also, I think the Astros have led in every single one of these games. The Rays are flirting with it. They today, though, might be able to play their best game of the series wall-to-wall and shut the door. Yeah, also with Valdez on the hill, what I looked at, we talk about these series condensing. The Astros won yesterday, but they used seven different arms to do so. So that bullpen is stretched, no off day, and Snell may be able to go for the route. We'll talk about it more after this, but now the Sports Grid News Update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, Kev, here we go. Welcome back to the early line and welcome again to our radio affiliates around the country, including, of course, the Mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast. Thank you for waking up what is very early for you guys. But listen, all day long on SportsGrid, you can get the edge, whether it's us, the morning after, FST, game time decisions, coast to coast, or, of course, following the action with the candle burner in game live. So much great content on the weekends around college football. Our guys, Mike Blewett and Joe Lisi, we have you covered. 
And what we have you covered also for is this full NFL season. This week, I was flabbergasted at the beginning of the week when the Jets released Le'Veon Bell, and we had to talk about that. One of the things I said was that he would be unemployed for about 20 minutes. Well, that 20 minutes has expired, Kev, and what do you know? We were getting buzz all day, right? We were throwing out some potential teams. I... It's ridiculous that we kind of missed the Miami Dolphins in that, you know, kind of brainstorming yesterday, Kev, where he could have been uh, a starting back. He was down there in Miami when he was holding out with the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you remember. So ultimately, though, he did not go for the I can get a ton of carries, a ton of reps and chill on the beach in a nice situation. He's going for a ring and the Kansas City Chiefs, Kev, are obliging. The social media was ablaze with what this does for this already ridiculously dynamic offense in Kansas City. I think I have used the term with you, Kev, that this may be the most elite fantasy herd of all time. The herd dropped a horse in Sammy Watkins, but they picked one up in Le'Veon Bell. What was your reaction to this? What do you think John Harbaugh is thinking? What do you think John Josh Allen is thinking. What do you think Bill Belichick and Frank Reich and John Gruden are thinking when they saw this? So it's funny you say that we, you know, left out Miami and we should have been able to know better. They've got a lot of running backs there. What happened was I mean, the qualifier sure. <laughs> to make the list was to Let's play the Jets within the next three weeks. Right. It came to, I mean, this it was the Dolphins. The Bills or the Chiefs. Yeah. That's go look at the Jets' schedule. The <laughs> like that's not yeah. that's not know, a yeah. coincidence, right? Yeah. Like so, to me, Lev Bell lands in Kansas City. Obviously, it's a great spot for him. You know, he is going to be able to get. Uh, no matter how much work he gets, it'll all mm-hmm. be valuable work, right? Oh, it'll sure. all be work in an incredibly efficient offense that is going to have, you know, uh, be able to put up a lot of points and he can be used as a pass catcher, can be used in between the tackles to spell Mm -hmm. Clyde Edwards, E'Laire can be used as the veteran. If he takes to the system and maybe it becomes more 50, 50, you know, and for the chiefs, what's the harm? What's the worst (laughs) case scenario? The jets are paying the freight for this. Daryl Williams, like you go back right. to Dar- So what? If that that's where you are now. So there right. this is as simple of a win win for both sides as you could imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And there was some, you know, questions, right, as to how much tread Lev Bell has on the tires still, right? His hamstrings. But we're going to find out if that's really about the Jets and Gaze and how they wanted to use him or what Lev Bell can still do. Now, Kev, obviously, all season long, right, we have had our eyes on the Chiefs' first-round pick, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? And we have talked about his usage the entire season. And one of the things I remember I have told you is the idea of – on third downs, right, they're still going to Daryl Williams. They're still going to Darwin Thompson in key kind of uh, two-minute drills, shotguns, uh, third down plays. Lev Bell will clearly have value in that kind of the playbook, right, where we were seeing Darwin Thompson, where we were seeing Darrell Williams. And then, Kev, one of the things I know you have been looking at and seeing all season long is that, like, 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire has had chances inside hmm. the five yard line almost yeah. every week, Kev. Imagine this Chiefs offense when in that situation it's now Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, listen, and it's impossible for me to figure out if CEH is the worst goal line back I've ever seen or if it's bad <laughs> luck. I mean, he scored last week, and then Travis Kelsey got hit with a holding penalty. Penalty, right, right, right. That ultimately, on a pick play, or I shouldn't say uh, holding, it was a pick play that they called it back. I will say this. In terms of the pass work, Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the year has 27 targets. Yeah. Darrell Williams has 11. Darwin Thompson has zero. So I don't know how much he's not working into obvious work, if you will. I know this is something that you and I have gone back and forth on about who's on the field mm-hmm. on third down yeah. versus how much it matters if the guy gets the ball right, right, every right. time he's on the field. But that's why, you know, fantasy heard this, that, whatever. I think it's really difficult to say for fantasy players and prop players to have any real vibe for what this is going to look like, especially when I would say the most threatening thing for defenses is two back sets. Yeah. I mean, again, right? Think about this. And that has always been kind of this thing with this elite fantasy herd, even when it was CEH, Kelsey, and three wide receivers, right? Someone's going to have a mismatch. So you're absolutely right, Kev. You put Lev Bell and CEH in the backfield, there's going to be a mismatch, right? And yeah. and and I think one of the things I've always been saying about this Chiefs offense, right? And we talk about Patty Mahomes having all the answers. They almost relish. They almost put it in the defense's ball in their court. Show us how you're going to defend us, and then we'll break out the way to beat that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so it's going to be very interesting. You're right. We are going to still have to see what Lev Bell's role exactly is, but I do think it's going to eat into some of CEH. you got to think that CEH gets downgraded from kind of uh, if people thought he was bell cow status to something more. Lev Bell is going to have a role. I think it's going to look like what four months ago they wanted wanted it to look like, Kev, with Damian Williams on the roster, right? As a Mm. veteran that could be trusted, maybe in pass protection, on third down, at goal line situations, Lev Bell is, in essence, a souped-up Damian Williams for this offense. The other thing I would say, right, they did have a lot of faith in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, deservingly so, but Kev, think about the amount of stud running backs who have gone down to injury so far Mm -hmm. this season, right? And if that were to befall Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, then all of a sudden defenses might be able to crack the nut that is the Kansas City Chiefs offense a little bit better. So you're right, there's the two back sets, right? But then there's also the protection for the Chiefs in this competitive AFC where they do not have the best record anymore right now are not the only by the one seed right now. They need insurance policy. And I got to tell you something, Lev Bell is a damn good insurance policy. And again, because I think, and I'll just say this, I don't think this is an indictment on Edwards Alaire. Maybe some. No, no, no. Me neither. It's an indictment on the other two backs. Darwin Thompson hasn't played since the Monday Nighter against the Ravens because he's just not been good. He had fumble issues. And Darrell Williams is averaging 3.2 per carry, only on his 11 carries. So I think that's the other thing. 
ultimately for Edwards Alaire, right? At his 65% snap count bell cow threshold i don't know yep, that's yep, still 35 yep. percent that is being filled up right and then you get into the whole insurance policy if things yeah. go left so that's why ultimately it's a no-brainer for the chiefs i i'll say this the reason i was pumping the bears so much is i didn't think the bears should allow themselves to be outbid for lev bell's services but Clearly, maybe the money wasn't there, and also the Jets aren't on the bear schedule, so it really just might right, not right, be right. an option. But also, listen, you know, there's also Lev Bell, right? Maybe other teams did offer more money, but Lev Bell is prioritizing a chance to get a ring. You know, so maybe other we'll teams did come in higher. Fair enough. Those are all on their schedule. I think there's other contenders that are on the Jets' schedule that could get a W. But I digress. All we know is the Chiefs completely bolstered themselves in a big-time way. As we head into Week 6, though, there's also – we want to update you on some of the injuries. We talked to you guys yesterday about the practice reports, some of the things that were going on. And we do want to update those, okay? So one of the things I thought was interesting and important – you know, Kev, yesterday, um, who was it? The Washington running back, Antonio Gibson, right? He was on the DNP. He's not a full practice. So that is a great example of someone being upgraded. And that's what I think you have to look at is the trend in a positive direction. And it is for Antonio Gibson. Unfortunately, it was not a positive direction for guys like Barvis Landry, still not practicing. DJ Chark, still not practicing. You know, so in some cases, we're trending in the right direction, but in others, there is still concern. Do you now have concern for guys like Landry and Chark? And K.J. Hamler mm-hmm. with Denver. Yeah, Chark's the one that really stands out to me, Dane, okay. because if you remember the one other game he missed against the Miami Dolphins, Thursday night football, and they were really, I mean, the Jaguars only scored 13 points in the game, struggled to move the football, and that's something to keep in mind. We'll get to that okay. game today, but I'll tell you the For idea sure. laying three and a half with Matt Patricia on the road has not been something that I've even remotely thought about. <laughs> maybe, maybe though, uh-huh. with the Jacksonville defenses look, and I'll make this point. We always try and think, oh, it's got to be Keelan Cole, then it's got to be LaVishka Chanel. Mm. James Robinson last time. That's right. Shark missed. Six for 83 in the receiving Yeah. Game. No, that's a good point. I'm intrigued by the Bucks receivers who are both still on this limited yeah. work. Remember, they got a big game against Green Bay. And to be honest, this Jarvis Landry won because now that's two days. It's hips and his ribs. And don't forget, the other wide receiver on this team got sent home yesterday. So there's a universe where, you know, both of them could be compromised. We'll talk about more of these games and more of these injuries when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sports 
Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane and Kevin putting the fun and functional sports content. Kev, we are now getting into week six of the NFL season. So let's look at it. We had that kind of false start stop with the Minnesota game getting taken off the board because of what we heard about the testing in Atlanta yesterday. But that game is back on the board. And what we have is, you know, the Vikings, I believe, are four, four and a half point favorites going into this one right now at last check. Let me give it to you updated because sometimes these things move. The Vikings are four and a half point favorites at home. The total is 54 and a half. I got to tell you something, Kev. In general, I am starting to buy low on the Minnesota Vikings, in my opinion. Okay, I think this team, from what I saw in Seattle at least, I believe they look better than their record. I believe they still have the pieces. Now, I know Dalvin Cook will likely not be playing, but I have faith in Alexander Madison in one of the better backup running backs. I think he can do some of the job, especially against this Atlanta team that is kind of finding themselves with the interim head coach. I was excited to start to find value and ride this Vikings team for their next stretch of games. I'm glad this game is on the board because I wanted to bet Minnesota. What do you think about this game? I think this is my bet I feel most confident in. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings Are you with me? laying the points Are you with me? me here is the absolute side. Nice. All, before we even talk about the disaster that is on the other sideline, the Vikings at home against the non-division opponent, have been cover machines with Mike Zimmer. And you might say, yeah, they lost this year to Tennessee. But they covered. They covered. That's right. And they lost by one. And they still covered. That was that one-point game, yeah. So that is a a spot that has been consistent. I also think they are probably better than their 1-4 and record suggests. Ultimately, the game against Green Bay, it was what it was. It was the game against the Colts. That had me all the way off Minnesota. And it's not just because I had lost the bet on them. It's just Kirk Cousins was an active disaster in that football game. Well, maybe the Colts made that so. Maybe the Colts' defense now made that so. Yeah, and and that's obviously one of the things that, you know, made it difficult to tell. But I think that this is a team that is certainly better than their 1-4 record suggests. On the other side of the field, one of the worst teams in football. A complete disaster, and I don't care whether they're sending Dan Quinn out there or not. You know, people have made this point. You'll hear it in a lot of different avenues, and I think it's a point well taken. The difference between Bill O'Brien and Dan Quinn's firings. The Texans wanted Bill O'Brien out, and then they were going to play some inspired football because they got their wish. The Falcons didn't dislike Dan Quinn. And in fact, they probably would have liked to have been able to play better to keep him around, but they just couldn't. Because they're not good. And Matt Ryan looks washed. And the defense is abysmal. And look, it's four and a half. Earlier in the week, it was three. You know me. I will be waiting up until about noon Sunday until I ultimately (laughs) make any moves. So maybe it'll come back the other way. But I don't mind laying four and a half. I I think there's a real chance here that the Vikings are going to route Atlanta, leave them with a lot of distance by games final. Yeah, I'm with you. Remember, I said I was excited to bit Minnesota in this one as well. I want to ask you some more about the Falcons because you're talking about Matt Ryan being washed. Arthur Blank declined pretty much to give Matty Ice 
for the last time, I'm going to say Matty Ice, this idea of the quote-unquote vote of confidence did not come from the owner. So there's a lot of, you know, people worried about the future in Atlanta. And I want to ask you about another Falcon for the future. You know, and here's my comparison point. Over in Cincinnati, A.J. Green starting to talk about being uh, upset with the offense. T. Higgins is kind of hopping him in targets and that sort of thing. Julio Jones has not been on the field. Julio Jones, you know, um, doesn't practice. When he does, he doesn't get into the end zone. Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, right? Why should Julio Jones have all this motivation to, you know, tough it out, grit through it? What is the future for Julio, that big-ass contract and a potential new regime? Well, for Julio, I mean, I love Julio Jones. Because Julio sure. Jones has done the same thing every offseason, and he always wins. In, in a league where typically players don't get the best of it, every offseason Julio goes, what? Who's making more than me? Fix that. And then every year they fix it. Every year they fix it. So Will a new GM do that? Will a new yeah, GM listen. fix that? But it, here's the thing. If my first move as general manager is to remove Julio Jones, uh, that's questionable. Uh, the Julio is not A.J. Green. Julio's just a little banged up right now. And they need to get Julio right health-wise. But if a team comes calling... I'm talking about this going left big time. You just said Matty Ice, Matt Ryan may not be in the cards in the future. It's not like Gurley is a spring chicken. You know, there's a new regime in here. Turning the page is live. Yeah, but in season? Because if they're not going to move it in season, then if they turn the page and draft... Trevor Lawrence. I'm not trying to get rid of Julio Jones. I need Julio Jones there. Let's make this transition easy. So, listen, Julio's fine. He'll get re-upped and get another big contract this offseason because he's the absolute best. All right, fair enough. And we're talking about these big old wide receivers, A.J. Green, Julio Jones. When we had the injury graphic, we had some other big-time wide receivers that are in this next game. Green Bay going down to Tampa Bay. Mike Evans, limited. Godwin, limited. We'll see about Fournette working his way back, right? And then on the other side, though, Kev, talk about a big-time receiver working his way back. On that graphic, I believe you saw Devontae Adams practicing in Full for the Green Bay Packers. Now, Kev, this Packers offense has been a revelation. I think Aaron Rodgers is the forgotten man in the MVP voting or, or, or odds, shall we say. I think there is something real going on between the growing familiarity, experience, and comfort of Aaron Rodgers with the head coach, Matt LaFleur. He has said a number of times the play calling is out of control. And imagine that, Aaron Rodgers giving shine to play calling and coaching in his system if that is real and they're getting into a groove and they're getting Devonte adams back whoo-wee, the packers could be rightfully in that top tier in the nfc along with seattle and anybody else you want to put there i think the packers are getting even better and better as the comfort grows and they get Devonte adams back one of the top five receivers in the nfl how do you see this one it's only a one point spread down in tampa yeah i just want to let you know rogers is tied for second for mvp so he's forgotten no more they've certainly all right then that's uh, movement he was like fourth and fifth behind josh allen behind lamar jackson mm-hmm. behind patty mahomes he was the fifth choice uh only about a week or two ago 
Yeah, but he's he's since moved. I think this is a spot where I think back to the conversation we had with Jay yesterday, right? And yeah. he talks about how, you know, on a neutral field, he might have this being closer to a four or five point spread. Right. One of the things that I think, it, you know, whether you want to put credence into it or not, they are still giving three points for home field advantage. You can disagree that they shouldn't, but they are. And if the book is still doing that, then it's probably for a reason. So it does matter to me that Tampa Bay is home in this game. The question I have, I think we all have to ask ourselves is, Green Bay off the bye. Yeah. Against Tampa Bay off the mini bye. My thing is, for Green Bay, they didn't really need a bye. They were playing <laughs> so well that, if anything, it could slow them up a bit. I understand mm. it gets Devontae back into the fold, and who right. knows? This just might be a track that's going to keep on rolling, 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 rolling. But the fact that the, the, it's not as big of a rest disadvantage plus the Bucks are home, I lean towards taking the one point with the team at home. All right, fair enough. I think, you know, Kev, we've been doing this show now together for, I think we figured it out, like, what, like seven months or so? So I'm going to tempt fate and see if I know what you're going to say on this one. I draw your attention, Kev, to, uh, you know, 54 and a half. Hmm. These are two Hall of Fame quarterbacks in an empty stadium getting their weapons back. Kev, six of the 12 games now scheduled to go off on Sunday, half of them have totals above 50. Half of the games have totals above 50. This one stands at 54 and a half. And uh, I think you're going over on this one. Talk to me about the total. I will say, though, if I like Tampa, I probably have to like the under. Because I have Hmm. to then be thinking that Green Bay on the offensive side slows up a little bit. Right? To be fair, remember when Russell Wilson Nothing was is slowing throw... anything. Nothing is slowing Remember when teams. Russ was going to throw five touchdowns a game? And then right. over the last two weeks, he's thrown five total touchdowns? Now, yes. that, by the way, speaks to the level that Russ has hit, that I am scoffing at only throwing five touchdowns in a two-week right. window. My point is, the Green Bay Packers, who have on the season scored 43, 42, 37, and 30, right? Where, you know, if I pull up their team total, which is certainly going to be below those numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Are we really going to have this team, you know, it's at 28 right now. Is this every single week? I think it's fair to say they're playing the best defense that they've played all season long in Tampa Bay. Sure. I think because of I li- because of liking the Bucks, I'm curious if you agree. The correlation to the Bucks is towards the other. It's tough. I've seen the Bucks against the Chargers go back and forth, right? And I I fear not fear. I, if you ask me the truth, I think this game could very easily profile similar to the Bucks Chargers game down in Tampa, 
right? The, uh, Justin Herbert was able to get this Bucks defense, who I believe and agree with you, is playing better than they have, you know, than in recent times. But that game was still a back-and-forth kind of shootout, yeah. and I kind of think Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are ready to do the same thing. You, you're, you're, you're coming on the exact question, though, right, that we have been considering for five weeks now. Right. It mm -hmm. sounds to me, Kev, that you're you're if you are going to take the under, what you're sort of relying on is like the regression has to happen eventually. Right. And one of the yeah. overarching things we're talking about in the NFL season is. Is this going to regress or is this the new way? I always make the point similar to, let's say, like the totals in Major League Baseball. And eventually you have to accept oh, this is the new way. And so I find it interesting that. You're the over guy all the time, right? And like, this is happening. This is happening. And now to caution against the over, you're like, ah, oh, but the regression's going to come. It's just, you're right. It, the regression the may regression, come, though. but we don't know yet. It's, we don't know if this is it. The, 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 the Packers can average 30 a game. They're not going to score right? 30 every week, right? Correct. Like the, yes. Chiefs, the Chiefs scored only 26 up against the Pats. Yes. Plus, through two touchdowns against Miami, and then through his third touchdown. But is this the, the game where the game script game, is going to happen? That's what I'm saying. So you're look. If you don't want to ever catch it, it's fine. I won't argue against that. My point is, if I like Tampa, I think it is correlated to liking this yeah. game under the number. For me, the Tampa Chargers game became a proof point where I'm not as heavy into that correlated action as you are. I see it as viable, but that other game I saw gives me pause to make that correlated distinction as strongly as you. When we come back, Kev, I got to go to college football real quick because I put the kibosh on the American Athletic Conference. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Right here on to the early line, giving you the edge. It is a football Friday. We've got plenty of games to discuss. But it seems, Kev, these days, like every game is like a COVID day, right? It's COVID Tuesdays, COVID Thursdays. And, you know, yesterday we spent some time looking at college football. And I was giving you the idea of the American Athletic Conference with Cincinnati, BYU, SMU as teams who had a chance to move up the ladder. But I feel so bad, Kev. I was all hyping up Cincinnati. And then later in the day, we find out that the Cincinnati-Tulsa game for this weekend is postponed. Why? Because Cincinnati, my adopted squad that I was going to ride with for the next two months, have multiple positive cases of COVID. And now that game has been moved. Add that to LSU being canceled. Add that to other games across this country being canceled. And Kev, the walls are closing in on college football the same as it is in the NFL. That's the one. I don't mean to laugh. Um, it's not closing in though. They don't care. They're going to figure it out. Like the NFL is in such a public eye. Okay. Yeah. I'll put it like this today. 
We altered for, for, for behind the scenes. We altered yeah. our approach to this show because the Colts have some level of positive tests. We might be the yeah. only show on this network today that mentions the Cincinnati Bearcats. And that's not because <laughs> our contemporaries are making a mistake, okay? We're mentioning Cincinnati because yesterday we talked about them winning the national right. championship. College football gets a postponement. We go, oh, okay, there's 40 other games on today. Right, right. Let us know when you're back. And then they move the schedule around without a problem. Oklahoma State-Baylor got canceled this week, right? And the Big 12 said, all right, you'll play December 12th. And if we have to move the Big 12 championship, which they might have to do if Oklahoma State yeah. is in it, they go, eh, yeah. so be it. Because so let me ask you this. they'll just keep moving things around to make sure that they're fine. What do you think uh, Pac-12 university presidents and ADs are thinking right now, though? The conditions on the ground when they reversed course are a lot different than they are now, and they have still yet to play in the Big Ten as well. The Big Ten will go through, but, like, maybe they are ah! – our two up next. <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.